Welcome back, everyone. This is Chapter 22, Caught in the Act. The very next day, Sticky was caught cheating. In a display of triumphant fury, Jilson marched to the rear of the room, snatched Sticky's hand, with which he'd been tugging his earlobe, and demanded, What's this? Terrified, Sticky mumbled, My, my hand? Yeah, but what were you doing with your hand? Scratching my ear? I'm not as stupid as I look, you know, Jilson roared, then hesitated, realizing what she'd said, before scowling and saying, That's it, Washington. You're going to the waiting room. Stand up. Jilson glanced at Rainey and Kate and at Constance in the back, obviously suspecting one of them as a cheating partner. But the fidgety bald boy was the only one she felt confident about. Stand up, she repeated, yanking Sticky to his feet as if he weighed no more than a bird. The rest of you sit tight. I'll send another executive to monitor your quiz, which, thanks to this cheater, you'll all have to start over from the beginning. Boos and jeers erupted as Sticky was dragged from the room, casting one last frightened glance back at Rainey before disappearing. With an awful, helpless feeling, Rainey watched him go. He looked back at Kate, who shook her head grimly. Sticky was in deep trouble. They were all in deep trouble. Too bad, so sad, said Martina. What exactly is the waiting room, said Eustace Crust, one of the special recruits. Ask Corliss Danton, said Martina smugly. Tell them, Corliss. Corliss, who at the mention of the waiting room had buried his face in his hands, was silently wiping tears from his eyes. It's, it's just a place you go when you're waiting to meet with Mr. Curtin. An unpleasant place. Rainey looked at Constance, whose face was even more sullen than usual, and fearful as well. He wanted to give her a comforting look, but she wouldn't even glance in his direction. Anyway, what good would a look do? He was no more confident than Constance that the end wasn't hurtling toward them. It was bad enough that Sticky's worst fear had come true. But if Sticky told Mr. Curtin everything, and who could blame him if he cracked under such pressure? It would mean the end of their mission and the beginning of something else. What would Mr. Curtin do if he found out? Would he take away everything? A complete brain sweep? And not just for Sticky but for all of them? Maybe they weren't even worth the trouble, Rainey thought grimly. They were orphans, after all, or in Sticky's case, believed to be. Might they not just go missing? Departed, Mr. Curtin would call it. Really departed. Rainey had a panicky feeling in his belly, the kind he always got when he dreamed he'd fallen from a precipice. Only with dreams, he always woke up. After their last class of the day, the mysterious Benedict Society, minus one member, gathered in the rock garden. I hope Sticky isn't suffering terribly, Kate said. He dreaded the waiting room more than anything. If it had to happen to one of us, it should have been me. Don't worry, Constance said glumly. You may still get your chance. Rainey didn't point out that the waiting room might be the least of their worries. Look, until Sticky comes back, 
I think we need to keep to our plan. Let's go check out the loading area. The others agreed, and with Constance riding piggyback, they left the rock garden and walked across the empty plaza. It was a bleak day, and no one, not even Mr. Curtin, was out to enjoy it. There were a few students on the path that led to the gym, however, and Rainey and the others passed them without a word. Kate had decided the hill beyond the gym would offer the best view of the loading area, so this was where they were headed now. As the children mounted the hill, an early evening mist began to settle, and through its haze, the lights of distant harbor traffic shone in blurred colors. Far to the north, a foghorn groaned, reaching them less as a sound than as a trembling in their bellies, as if their bodies were pipes in a somber old organ. It was a rather somber evening all around. Reaching the summit did nothing to improve their mood. Far below them, down by the bridge gate, the loading area was completely deserted. No trucks, no helpers, no crates in sight. No point even in getting out the spyglass. The gate guards were huddled in their guardhouse, keeping warm and dry. Rainy gazed over the water toward the mainland shore. It seemed no more than a shadow in the mist, as impossible to determine as their fate. Rainey's gaze drifted back toward the Institute. The usual crowd of students had gathered at the gym, waiting for the doors to open. From this height, they looked like insects, eagerly masked at the entrance of a bug trap. In theory, the gym was open all day long, and students were encouraged to use it any time at all. But, of course, classes, meals, and study time took up most of the day. In the remaining free minutes, hopeful students often took turns tugging at the door, which remained stubbornly closed. Just before supper, however, Jackson and many of the other executives would appear from inside the gym and let the students in. If anyone had the gall to ask why the door had been locked, Jackson would respond that it hadn't been locked. The students had simply been unable to open it. Constance, too, was looking down at the little crowd of students milling outside the locked doors. The gym's always open, except when it isn't, she said, mimicking Jackson. She mopped her damp face with her damp sleeve. What do the executives do in there, anyway? Constance had only meant to express her annoyance. In fact, she was composing an insulting poem in which executives licked the gym floor clean. But Rainey looked at her as if she'd turned to gold. That's a good question. I always assumed they were exercising, just keeping the gym to themselves. But what if they're up to something else? Kate brought out the spyglass. Guess what? There's a window in the back. I could take a peek. I need to find a way to reach it, though. It's a good 10 feet off the ground. What do you think, Rainey? Several things raced through Rainey's mind at once. It would mean going off the path, which meant risking traps, not to mention serious trouble. But maybe they were already in serious trouble and didn't know it yet, and what they found out might be extremely important. Rainey frowned. He wished he had more time to deliberate, but there was no more time. The gym door would be unlocked any minute. I'll go with you, he said. I can stand on your shoulders. Kate grinned. Okay, here's the plan. 
We'll drop behind this hill to be out of sight of the gym, then circle around those smaller hills and sneak up from the back. Aren't you forgetting someone? said Constance. We need a lookout. From up here, you can see everything and we'll be able to see you. If anyone heads around the building, jump up and down and wave your arms. Oh, goody, said Constance. I get to stand here by myself and be misted on. But Rainy and Kate had already hurried off. They moved quickly downhill, running over damp sand and scrub brush and narrow swaths of grass, steering clear of boulders, keeping an eye out for drapeweed. Finally, they came up to a low rise at the rear of the gym. Here they were hidden from view, and as Kate waited for Rainy to catch his breath, she jerked her thumb behind them, where the land erupted into a jumbled labyrinth of dunes and rocky hills. Our escape route, she whispered, if we need one. Rainy squinted up to the high hilltop where they'd left Constance. He could just make out her small red figure against the backdrop of gray sky. He thought she might be moving, though only slightly. Is Constance waving? Can you tell? Kate peered through her spyglass. Just picking her nose. Let's move. Quickly, they climbed over the rise and scrambled down behind the gym, where the ground gave over entirely to crumbled gray stone, as if the building had shed pieces of itself onto the land around it. Good, Rainy thought. No footprints. He was worried, though, by the discovery of a back door that Kate hadn't seen or thought to mention. Rainy pointed and frowned. They didn't want surprise visitors. Kate was already working on it. She pointed to a large, petrified tree limb lying among the stony rubble nearby. Together, she and Rainy dragged it over and braced it against the bottom of the door. Kate gave a satisfied nod and knelt down. Rainy climbed onto her shoulders. He steadied himself with his hands against the stone wall and got his feet set on her shoulders. Slowly, smoothly, Kate straightened up. Rainy's chin came to the bottom of the window. He could just see inside. And what he saw was the most curious thing. Two lines of recruiters, there were dozens of them, stood back to back down the length of the gym floor, as if preparing for a dance. Each of them faced some kind of cutout figure, but Rainey wasn't sure what they were. At the far end of the lines stood Jackson, SQ, and a great many other executives. Jackson was shouting something Rainey couldn't make out. Again, as if in a dance, the recruiters adopted different poses. Some spread their arms as if welcoming an embrace. Others reached out as if to shake hands in greeting and still others raised their hands, palms forward, in a calming gesture that Rainey recognized too well. All of them were smiling, smiling. Jackson shouted again. Rainey could see the figures more plainly now. The figures came in all sizes, from small children to full-grown adults. He shuddered. This was no dance. The recruiters were preparing for something. But what? Hadn't Mr. Curtin's journal said new children were no longer necessary? This many recruiters certainly weren't required to guard the bridge gates. No, they were preparing for something else. The improvement. The thing to come. All right, everyone, Jackson shouted. That's it for today. 
the executives started making their way down the lines, collecting the paper figures. The practice was over, and it suddenly occurred to Rainey that he'd never seen recruiters leaving the gym, which must mean they used the back door. His stomach did a flip. He and Kate needed to get out of here. Kate, Rainey whispered, glancing down. We need... He didn't finish, for just then he glanced back through the window and saw SQ staring up at him. Fear shot through Rainey like a dose of hot poison. His nerves tingled all over his body, and in his panic to get down, he toppled from Kate's shoulders. Are you all right? Kate whispered. Run, Rainey cried, regaining his feet. Run, run, run. Rainey was halfway up the rise when Kate overtook him and caught his arm in an iron grip. Come on! The back door gave an ominous thump, then another, followed by the sound of angry curses. The tree limb had bought them a few extra seconds. Together they dashed up the rise, with Rainey half running and half being dragged behind Kate, feeling as if he'd been tied to a galloping horse. He cast one glance up at Constance, a red smudge on the hilltop, jumping up and down and waving furiously. And then he and Kate flung themselves down the other side of the rise, out of sight. Tell me they didn't recognize you, Kate said, pulling him to his feet. I don't know, said Rainey. Then let's head for the hills and hope for the best. And so they fled, away from the gym, away from the paths, away from the institute, into the tangled rock jungle of sand dunes, ridges, and crags, that made up the island's interior. Weaving among the hills, keeping low, constantly changing directions, they ran as if their lives depended on it, which indeed they might have. In his mind's eye, Rainey kept seeing SQ's disapproving, accusing eyes. Had he been recognized? Had he been? When Kate thought they'd put enough distance between themselves and the gym and was convinced they hadn't been followed, the two children hunkered beneath a scraggly copse of stunted cedar trees to rest. It was just in time. Another step, and Rainey might have collapsed into a useless heap. Between ragged breaths, he told Kate what he'd seen, right up to the part when he'd seen SQ frowning at him from across the gym. Unbelievably, or almost unbelievably, Kate made a joke of it. Well, if he recognized you, he's probably wondering how you got to be so tall, she chuckled. Poor guy, he's not the brightest. Rainey groaned. He just realized something. Having only just sat down, he struggled to his feet again. We need to split up. Why? I thought we'd just circle back up to Constance. Listen, Kate, they'll know it took two people. The window's too high for one person to have looked through without help. Remember? You go back for Constance. If SQ recognized me, at least you can claim you were miles away when it happened. Gosh, you're right, Kate said, adjusting her bucket on her belt. You head that way then, and I'll fetch Constance. If we're lucky, we'll be laughing about this over supper. If we're lucky, said Rainey, who was not feeling lucky at all. In fact, he had the awful feeling he wouldn't see Kate again. If Mr. Curtin knew the truth, by tomorrow, Rainey might become someone else entirely, a mixture of mysterious pain and forgotten purposes, forgotten dreams. His friends' faces would blur, like photographs somehow being undeveloped, then disappear entirely.
the mission would fail. All would be lost. Suddenly, Rainy felt compelled to grab Kate's hand. Thanks for helping me get up that hill back there. I never could have made it in time by myself. Kate waved him off. Oh, good grief. Just do me a favor. If you get sent to the waiting room, tell Sticky I said hello. Rainy's face fell. It's not funny, Kate. For a moment, a fleeting moment, Kate looked desperately sad. Well, of course it's not funny, Rainy Muldoon. But what do you want me to do? Cry? Now get going, will you? And make sure I see you at supper. She turned and hurried into the gloom. And so, in the darkness and mist, Rainy picked his way alone through the forbidding hills. In half an hour, he arrived, weary and wet, at a path on the far side of the Institute. Nobody accosted him in the student dormitory, where he slipped into his room and changed. And no one looked askance at him as he crossed the plaza. He had yet to meet an executive, though. Rainey hesitated a long time at the cafeteria door. Then, telling himself he must at least pretend to be brave, he went inside. He saw the girls right away. They sat in damp clothes at a table to themselves. Constance resembled a wet hen, same shape, same dour crankiness, and only slightly larger. But Kate smiled when he came in, and the sight of her sunny face gave Rainey a pinprick of hope. He reminded himself Kate was capable of smiling in dire circumstances. He shouldn't assume good news. Still, nobody seemed to be paying him any attention, and the executive on duty only gave him a bored look and turned away. So perhaps Kate really did know something. Kate really did. The moment Rainey sat down, she told him he was safe. Rainey thought he would die of relief. They were questioning students when Constance and I came down the hill, Kate said. Nobody saw you. Jackson asked us and we told the same story. He was yelling at SQ. Is that really the best you can say? An average looking boy? An awful lot of boys are average looking SQ. And poor SQ, he just kept arguing that this boy was especially average looking. Jackson seemed ready to strangle him. Rainey couldn't believe what he was hearing. He was safe, really safe. And then, just as suddenly as the weight had lifted from his shoulders, it returned. For now that one worry had passed, others quickly crowded in to take its place. Sticky was still in danger. And if Sticky was, they all were. Are you okay? Kate asked. You look terrible. At least he's dry, said Constance, who was blotting her hair with a napkin. You haven't seen Sticky, have you? Or heard anything? The girls shook their heads. They all grew very solemn and finished their meal in silence. <laughs>